And Ooh. Melody. Ah! Oh, did you hear what did that? I say? That's new. Yeah, that is new. Well, now it gives you a chance to leave the meeting. Okay. All right, gives All you right. a chance to bail out. I'm out. Or, oh, or, no. or to make sure you don't say anything embarrassing. Well, it also just tattled, though. Too late. Right. I guess it also made sure that Bill remembered to record the meeting. Yeah. Right. So now we all remember that. They probably heard what we were talking about last time. And I won't be able to go, hey, Bill, are you recording this halfway in? And <laughs> Right. Give me a heart attack. And then I won't have to launch the killer drones to Seth's house. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Seth. I'm Marty. Sorry. <laughs> Charles. I'm Chris. <laughs> welcome, and uh, we're happy to be back here with you again. <laughs> We've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Um, and I think uh, uh, we're going to start off with uh, the Nevers. So um, I know Chris and Linda and Audie and I and Charles have seen it. Uh, Charles hasn't seen all of it, but he has seen the first couple of episodes and the uh, season one, part one finale. So, and uh, Charles kind of has an interesting perspective on on the missed episodes. Charles, what were you saying? <laughs> no, I think that's the way, I mean, without having watched all the middle ones yet, because I might go back and watch them now. But um, the finale gave the uh characters um what Our character yeah the main character uh true true that's Molly right true yeah Molly a true uh a, a little more depth i think yeah mm -hmm. and so before it, <clears throat> the first two episodes everything fell i yeah i mean you're like why do these people know how to fight why you know sure and it just yeah yeah, it was, and I, silly. it was just silliness to me. She always right. seemed out of place. Yeah, she seemed out of place. And then that that the beginning of the uh, finale, you go, oh, now I see. Yeah. But I don't think I'd have enjoyed the middle episodes if I hadn't. So, yeah, on on that with Amalia True and and just being a lot, the series has a lot of mystery surrounding her because you really don't get her, and you also right. get the feeling that her the people that she knows as well also don't get her right it's like this mystery black box and, and to your point on the on the the last episode the, the series finale here really kind of starts to unpack all of that and unravels it and then it all starts to make sense yeah because the weird thing was i mean the, the the thing that sort of confused me for the whole show was that she was the only one of what they call the touched which are 
um, mm -hmm. mostly what 90% women that have had these glowing, um, what they term spores, land on them and give them uh, special abilities. Um, she was the only one of the touched that continually referenced this mission that she's, you know, leading this mission, but she was never told what the mission was, or she was never, you know, given officially given the mission or whatever. And the whole, you know, first season, you're wondering, okay, so there's obvious, obviously more going on here that she knows that nobody else knows. And we're not learning this. So what, how did she get this mission? And she seems to know something about um, the spores uh, and that whole effect. And at least she's tracking down and trying to coordinate all of these people and bring them into one area so that they can accomplish whatever this mission is supposed to be. Right. Yeah. And I think for me, I was trying to theorize early on because because her turn is seeing things generally before they happen. Mm -hmm. and so with, with her having this mission and, and being kind of secretive on some things, I think some of uh, her closest allies and, and even the audience will start to think, you know, did she see something that no one else has seen that she's not sharing because it's of great importance or it's catastrophic right. or something? Um, and, and that goes into the whole, you know, if you've seen the future, what do you try to change to, to manipulate it or whatever? Is that a good idea? Or is it a bad idea? Um, yeah. but the last episode really puts a twist on that. And, uh, I mean, we should, we should talk about the last episode a little bit more because it, the whole format of the series changed. Even when you started, I had yeah. to pause it to go back and see whether or not I was actually watching the numbers. Yeah, so we, did we? We? <laughs> we did the same thing. I think I did it right is is because uh, you have Bill and Linda all of a sudden they're both discussing whether or not this is the correct show and I'm like okay well now I'm I'm getting it mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know I know there wasn't an exposure in the middle to what this finale had. I mean right 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 yep. Because so you, you know there wasn't lost. something you were missing that was critical to the season yeah. finale because and it, there's there's an argument that could be made that they could have started the series out with the last episode, right. Yeah. right? And and I guess you know how much mystery do you want to have in that? Do you want to be the only one that knows? Well, the characters don't know where she came from, or or not necessarily where she came from, but her consciousness. Yeah. Um. Uh, are we doing spoilers? Yeah, sure. we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll just mark so a spoiler. We're have to. Like, yeah, what, with the last I think it's too late. <laughs> kind of starts to jump into is uh, Amalia isn't the um, Amalia that she was before this whole thing uh, started. She was a simple um, uh, woman that basically worked in a bakery for a bit and then ended up doing deliveries and stuff. And uh, she ultimately decides to step off a. Uh, uh, ledge, ledge, if you will, into uh, the river and drown and die. And when she actually comes to, which happens to be when the spore thing comes flying to the city, um, transfers, uh, who we've come to know as, I think her name is Zephyr, mm -hmm. um, from the future, her consciousness gets transferred into uh, who we know as Amalia True. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the last episode is broken into chapters think three or four chapters yeah um that kind of covers what happened in the future and how zephyr came to be in amalia chu's body 
But right. Amalia True that we that we watched <clears throat> the whole series, why she seems off. She's got combat abilities and all this stuff. It's because she was a member of some type of planetary military force or something Planet, like that. Planetary, planetary defense, defense coalition. The yeah, PDK. planetary defense coalition. So who is Zephyr? Zephyr is, is the woman from the future. She's uh, okay. So she's not a so not the future of the like a far future. Than... Right. She's not the future of the past. She's the far future. Yeah. Uh, when the a lot of the Earth appears to be a yeah. devastated wasteland. Like yeah. the end of time's future. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly mm -hmm. due to climate change, I think, but also warring factions. But I think the the impression <laughs> I got from the season one finale is that climate change was kind of devastating the planet. The this alien species showed up and offered to help us fix this. Mm -hmm. Um and there were two groups of, of uh, people. Basically, everybody split into two groups. There was the group called the Planetary Defense Coalition that wanted to work with the aliens called, they're called the Galanthi. They yeah. wanted to work with them to try to get this technology from them to help fix our world. Then there was the other group, which is called the Free, free, life, free life Group. And they're a very religious, God-centered group um right that's uh trying to murder the galanthi and uh destroy their they're bombing all of the technology that the galanthi give us they're murdering the galanthi in fact uh in the season one finale when members of the pdc um they arrive at this this science facility where they had been doing research with the galanthi on creating a more stable wormhole which the free what's free what what are they again right seth a uh, free life army the free life army uh the free life army thought that this was just going to create a a giant conduit and these aliens were going to come streaming through and they were going to prevent that at all cost well um they couldn't get any information out of the scientists at the facility so they ended up murdering them all stringing them up above the this uh, pod that this one Galanthi was living in um, mm -hmm. slit him so that the blood would drain into the Galanthi's um, cell as a means of torturing because the, the, you learn from the series that the Galanthi tend to bond with whatever humans they interact with. And so for the, the, that Free Life Alliance to do that, it was a form of torture to the Galanthi they, you know, when you, when you torture somebody, you start with their family first. And um, so they were torturing him in the, in the hopes that they would be so traumatized that they would leave and never come back. So the Free Life Society is definitely the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, uh, it was a bit disturbing, but. Um, Motivated by their love of God, yes. who is peaceful. And right. loving, yeah, and, and I would, I would probably say that throughout the series, um, I think, uh, from recalling correctly, they start to echo maybe the beginning formations of like a free life army with these people that run around with these armbands on, um, that are kind of anti, um, you know, touched and and yeah. whatnot. So I think uh, there's they're drawing some early parallels there uh, with that, um, right? So anyway, one of the uh, uh, women that's um, in the PDC. She's mm -hmm. what's called a stripe, which is uh, essentially uh, frontline infantry. 
and um, she's um, she's pretty much seen it all and done it all. And um, she gets uh, to this facility about an hour before anybody else does, because she's actually coming from a different area. And um, when she gets there, there's 20 uh, members of the uh, Free Life Alliance that get there that that's, she starts fighting with. And um, an hour later, when the rest of the um, PDC arrives, there's only eight left. And so they get there and they're like, yeah, we couldn't believe they were right here. And she goes, well, there were 20 when I got here. Well, we only saw eight. And she goes, well, I did have an hour to kill. <laughs> so, yeah, so she's, there's no doubt. They make it abundantly clear that she can take care of herself. She's yeah, got the- She's, she's a hardcore battle vet for sure. Right, but now she is- um, She is still a damaged person though. Yes. Yes, absolutely. She was damaged. Yeah, we see that a lot uh, in the in the season one finale. And, and the, the, the funny part, not funny, but she's suicidal also. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Another parallel there. Um, yeah. When, yeah, no. when she ultimately makes her transition, uh, not knowingly, but, but to the past, yeah. um, she basically commits suicide, which is the same thing that we see Amalia true do. Yeah. Um, so she ends up in the body of a suicide survivor. Yes. Having survived suicide. Um, well, what would, uh, the original Amalia have been, a suicide survivor like did um, she survive doubtful. her attempt or doubtful um she was definitely drowning and i think the only reason she survived is because one of the spores attached itself to her mm -hmm. and her body uh, survived yeah yeah and, well her consciousness then, didn't right it doesn't okay. seem to have no not at this well, point but, although you wonder if she didn't wake up in the future but because that would just I be mean, yeah, the series is not over yet. So we don't we don't know if there's fragments of Amalia that are still yes, around. Right. Maybe she comes across people later on in the series that starts to mess with her head because even Zephyr was, I mean, she's damaged and she's come back here and she's in a different body. Um, things are pretty weird for yeah. her. I don't and, know. In, in in the middle in the middle of the season, did she ever feel the need to bake? To bathe? Bake. bake. Oh, bake. Yeah, Ooh. we haven't seen that. Yeah, we haven't seen that yet. But I mean, no, it, it, would be, it would be an opportunity to start bringing things on like that, like habits or foods that, that she would like or something. Because now we've yeah. seen what the original Amalia uh, True was. So, Although she was doing some pretty good cooking with that doctor for a while. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, so you guys, from right now, you you... Your consciousness goes back to, and replaces somebody in the in the Victorian era, steampunk yes. or no steampunk. That how, how do you fare? Well, not good because first of all, <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, it, right now, I'm not in the mood to leave this life. Right. Yeah. Whereas she was, she felt that. Um, at the point at which she committed suicide, that it was what they were trying to do was hopeless, that fundamentally people do not want change mm -hmm. and that they will do anything to prevent change. And she's, you know, she said, you know, we've been fighting this free life alliance forever. And, you know, we neither one side ever wins. It's because both sides want to maintain the status quo mm -hmm. um, nobody is really willing to accept the change and right every time we get to the point where we're about to win 
we, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot somehow and we don't. And she said, so I, I've got over again. no hope uh, for this. And she tells this to a woman um, who um, has received a spore and she's got some sort of empathic uh, awareness ability or something in that she can kind of communicate, I think, with the Galanthi. Um, and she's also like um, a doctor. And we find out she's with the Planetary Defense Coalition, but we find out near the end of the episode that she actually started as a one of the member of the Free Life Group and that um, she, you know, changed. That's a proof that change can happen because yeah. she changed and went to the other side. But this Zephyr um, sort of uh, crushes her spirit and her hope with, right before she died. with her outlook. Yeah. Yeah. Reality. And then, and then that, that doctor um, gets killed. And so that's kind of why, that's kind of what pushed Zephyr over the edge into taking her own life was because she felt guilty for, first of all, crushing her spirit and her yeah. hope. She didn't and, deserve to live. Yeah. And then, and then um, she, um, she got shot and killed. So she felt, you know, I'm not worthy of, of continuing. So, so that's why she took her life. Now, one of the things, and I'm, I'm interested to see if the guys that watched the, this episode also noticed this. So the, that doctor character that died, um, her name, she started to tell, so there's a big taboo over telling anyone your real name in the future. Uh, you don't tell anyone your sacred name. You yeah. maybe call yourself by a nickname or something. Um, well, as she is dying, she starts to tell Zephyr her real name, but all she gets out is the H part of her, her name. Mm -hmm. um, now, in the 1800s, there's a, a member of the Touched um, who's of, uh, I think, Indian descent. And her name, mm -hmm. we find out in this last episode, is Harriet. And she's injured trying to um save a member of the touched from being hanged mm -hmm. um and i'm thinking that that harriet that that consciousness from the h doctor in the future mm -hmm. went into harriet in the past and my guess is that um harriet has resisted telling anyone that because she thinks she's all alone there and she doesn't probably know what happened. And she's afraid if she says something, they'll think she's insane and she'll get put in some sort of an asylum. So she hasn't said anything about it. And I'm wondering if um, at the end of the episode, when Amalia um, tells uh, Penance that she wants to tell everyone, all of the members of the touch that are in this facility, um, the true story of where she came from, what's going on in the future and mm -hmm. what they may need to do that this will prompt Harriet to maybe say, well, I'm that person. Yeah. And it's also worth noting that at the end of that, uh, Amalia has a, a vision uh, of the future of a lot of things that happen. And she does see, see uh, uh, Harriet um in that and says something of the effect like you're not supposed to see you're this you're to gonna see have this, to forget yeah. this for now or something like that and right flashes right. through a bunch of other images before she falls on her back 
<laughs> then gets attacked by a bunch of uh, uh, <clears throat> beings or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it's like, oh, that part's now. That part was kind of funny because uh, <laughs> yeah. she never really knows when things are going to happen. But she saw the attack. <laughs> and then she kind of looks up and sees that she's about to be attacked. She's like, oh, that part's now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my, my impression is that those creatures that attacked her are like the maybe failed experiments from that psych psycho doctor yeah that doctor is crazy yeah so there's um, there's multiple doctors in the show so there's the future doctor the harriet woman um dr um, edmund hey let me look here might be dr edmund yeah and then there's the uh the doctor that uh amalia is having a, a relationship with and then there's this other psycho doctor uh, that's trying to figure out what makes the touched touched. Mm -hmm. And he does that by basically strapping them down on a table and a chair and using a Torture saw him. to cut the tops of their heads off and explore their brains <laughs> while they're alive. Yeah, and he's it looks like, like uh, Dr. Edmund Haig is the yeah. uh, crazy one. He's like, I'm sorry, but this is going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and you can imagine that it would. Now, uh, there's another little interesting dynamic here in that there's a member of the touched who's um, a murderous psychopath um, Ooh, yeah. named uh, Malady. And um, we see her showing up and she murders people left and right without seemingly without care. Um, and enjoying it. what's that? She seems to enjoy it. And she yes. enjoys it. Right. And yeah. you can tell she's just like psychotic. Right. Um and we don't understand why, but we learned through the through the season that she's got this some sort of sordid relationship with Amalia True. And we find out in this last episode what that is. And I don't know, Chris, you want to talk about that? Uh, um, that one was. Uh, uh, her name was Sarah. In yeah. the, was that had to do with the bakery? That had to do with that. Uh, so they were at the, uh, remember they were at the, uh, the insane asylum. Yeah. They're in the institution. Oh yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. um, yeah, when, uh, when they were kind of doing some early on investigations, trying to figure out, um, who saw what and, you know, uh, may have been touched or whatever. Um, Amalia at the time, uh, basically Zephyr at this point, uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd say threw her under the bus, but basically, um, didn't take an opportunity to protect her and let, uh, let, um, um, Malady basically tell this doctor, um, all the things she saw basically confirming for the doc that she was this crazy person and who she's looking, who he's looking for and going to take her away and, and do all these experiments or whatever. And, um, uh, Amalia saw it coming and she didn't do anything to stop it and basically abandoned her. And, right. and Malady had really been um, maybe, I don't, maybe Amalia's real first friend there right. um, at the, uh, at the asylum. So uh, you see this betrayal happen, this epic betrayal. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's what she says at one point during the season, uh, later on in the season, mm -hmm. when they come face to face is that, you know, you left me there, um, you know, and, and uh, let, turn me over to them basically and let them do yep. their work on me and and i thought we were friends kind of a thing and yep. 
she apologizes because she knows what she did, but we don't know until the, the last episode. Right, not until the last episode. Right. Yeah. And they she had talked this this Sarah, aka Malady, <clears throat> um, had talked several times. Uh, we see her mention in the episode about how you know two true friends trust each other, kind of a thing, and and help each other and protect each other. And and then at the end, when um Zephyr uh, figures out that the, what this doctor is, is intending to do, which is experiment on them. She said, well, I don't know anything about any lights. I just pretended to know in order so that this Sarah mm -hmm. person uh, would not feel like she was losing her mind. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just lied to play along. I don't know anything about it. You'll have to talk to her. And yep. then, <clears throat> so the doctor says, okay, and lets her go. And then she tells Sarah, um, yeah, tell the doctor everything, you know, he wants to help you, even <laughs> yeah, though she knows yeah. that's not the case. Yeah. So she mm. essentially used her as a means of, of, uh, evading that doctor. So you can certainly see why malady would have a bone to pick with her, um, over that mm. there's, uh, there's one of the opening scenes. And so that's Sarah, um, Linda's posted a picture here of Sarah. They're in the uh, mental institution and Sarah's, um, hugging, um, Zephyr, uh, who's now in the body of Amalia True in the past, mm -hmm. and uh, trying to comfort her because she doesn't know what the hell's going on. And she's just realized that she's not in her own body because she's yep. looked down and she said, why, why are my hands so small? What, what is, you know, and she realizes that's not her body. And so she's kind mini, of freaking out. Meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, uh, there was just a whole lot to unpack in that season one finale. And um this uh, uh, uh just part one uh part two of the season one finale is monday night i think so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what else we find out in that i'll also add there was another mystery they unpacked which was um there's a detective that that you meet along the way um through the series um let me look here it used to be like former boxer guy or whatever uh frank mundy yeah so mundy uh, was investigating this death of uh, somebody that we come to find out later was being portrayed by. Yes. Yeah, so in this particular scene, he's actually at the site of where they found the body. And, and he's the one the on the left in the on. hat in this picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was from the first episode, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. First or second, something like that. First or that. second, really early on. And they come back to this at the very end. And he, he figures out who... Um, uh, was basically uh, that body, and it was the body of I think the the actual reporter. And you find out that Malady uh, right. slash Sarah has been running around masquerading as new personality. Yeah. Um. So he eventually captures who he thought was Malady, and and basically sentences her to be executed. And uh, well, I guess the decision was made to execute um, Malady uh, publicly. Uh, which also brought up a lot of political conversations and things like that. What kind of message are you trying to send? You know, this is going to make relationships worse and all this kind of stuff. But uh, um, after uh, an, another plot basically gets revealed as to why that happened, uh, who the um, conspirators were and, and why they were having this public hanging and they were there to kind of kill some people in the public using electricity. There's a whole thing with that. And yeah. um, ultimately, 
I, I thought this was one of the better twists of the season when you find out that Malady has been running around portraying herself as a reporter, not the crazy person that we've seen Malady to be. And I right, think that was because she's very switch. good at acting normal. Yes. Which we didn't think was possible. Right. And based on everything we've seen from her. And I didn't realize that she was the reporter until, you know, like the, almost the very right. end. Yeah. yeah, I didn't either. She and didn't look anything like her. Yeah. So, so that that was pretty amazing. So the scene, the scene of the reporter walking down the uh, the alleyway and taking the wig off, and you realize it's Malady, and she's yeah. got that wicked laugh going on, and it was like, whoa, what just happened? Mind blown. <laughs> right, yep. right. And they're doing that as the detective's kind of sitting there figuring it out and realizes what the dead body he has is, realizes yes. who they hung that day. Uh, right. Which was, uh, uh, Malady had this. Uh, Devote, devoted uh, girl that would uh, follow her, do whatever she needed to do, and basically that's who was uh, who Actually swapped hung. places with her when when Malady got captured. Right. Found out later wasn't Malady, but so it's a very stuff. very good show. A lot of uh, sort of uh, plots within plots that uh, mm -hmm. get uncovered as you work along, and um, you know if you like the steampunk aesthetic with uh, you know a Victorian era England. Um, also with some future sci-fi stuff mixed in and aliens. And uh, it's just, uh, for me, it's got something something for everything. You know, uh, everything yeah. I like is is in that. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more for sure. Yeah. I, the more I hear, the more I'm like, man, that just, that's, this has got some X-Men vibes to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think, bit. you know, I think it does just because of the different powers these women all have. Well, well also, uh, the person coming back from the future like that mm -hmm. yeah that, that's that's in there well i mean that's kind of standard sci-fi fantasy trope but also x-men did that right uh the whole uh publicly executing the mutant slash touched mm -hmm. uh, and using it as a trap for others very x-men i was like oh are they gonna build giant steampunk robots called guardians or something next <laughs> they might well you know what are those you know those so those creatures that attacked amalia in the in the yeah the cave um i'm wondering if those are something that that insane doctor created or where they I'm, came i'm from. thinking so and, and the doctor's you do find that some of the people that the doctor's taken, because there are a bunch of people that just go missing. Yeah. Um, uh, we do see one of them help Amalia in the end uh, get up that elevator shaft or whatever. Right. Um, so even though some of them have been broken, some of them clearly aren't all the way gone. Right. So uh, it'll be interesting how that plays out, but I, I do think they're going to dig into that a little bit more because they've only touched onto it a couple of times. Yeah, that's the crazy doctor. Yeah. I mean, at least it looks like he enjoys his work. Oh, he <laughs> he's, a, he's a sick bastard. He is a sick fuck. <laughs> that is for sure. But, but yeah. he, I mean, again, they, they have, um, there's a lot in the series for everyone, I think. And, and again, the, the last, the last, you know, when they get to the finale, they really put the twist on it. They break out everything in the chapters it was like watching something completely different and then yeah. they kind of put a you know they put it all together and put a bow on top yeah uh to wrap it up and it was it really kind of folded everything in everything that you had questions about um either was answered or they kind of opened the road up to to continue some mysteries down the road so i'm, yeah, I'm really excited uh, to see where they go 
So Linda just posted a, a picture of Zephyr from the future. And yep. they're in that science facility. That's one of the scenes there. So yeah, she looks like she's been through some. some oh, yeah. Yep. oh, yeah. Yeah. So she's I, got some I mean, battle scars. Yeah, Charles, you, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head early on when we were talking and you said, you know, when you started, how did she know how to fight? How did she have all these abilities? Yeah, it bothered me. Yeah. yeah, it goes the whole season without really answering a lot of that stuff. And when you get to this, it's it just opens all that up and, and, and clears everything up for you. So. <laughs> yeah, it does. No, it, it was funny. Yeah, it hits you. You're like, yeah, oh, you now think? it all starts to make sense. Yeah, what would you so. think, Adi? You liked it. Yeah. Any favorite parts or no <laughs> I just... <laughs> all right all right just so nice Amelia's food. never just after she tell she's never is she now free to go oh god the past sucks well, we're, yeah. we're, were religious folks a problem in the middle episodes um no we never saw them in the middle episodes so um, my, my thought after seeing where we're at right now is that, so I, I got the impression that the, the humans in the future, uh, the scientists maybe thought they were building a wormhole to the Galanthes homeworld to allow more of them to come through to help us. Right. And that um, wasn't it at all. But we find out that these, um, when the PDC get to this facility now and they start investigating, um, it's apparent that this wormhole is a one-way transit back. So they think it's a, an, a, uh, an escape tunnel, basically this Galanthe who, for what we believe to be now, maybe the last living Galanthe on earth because the others have all been killed. Although, mm -hmm. you know, we find, we, we learned through the episode that, they are, had thought they were all already dead and that they didn't realize there was still one left. So it's possible that there could be another one or two somewhere in hiding that we may find out later. But anyway, the thought was that this wormhole then was a one-way transit back and that this Galanthe was going to leave and go back home. And um, I think the, the free lifers didn't want that to happen. They wanted to kill it. They didn't want any of their uh, Galanthe to make it back home to report on anything and then that would supposedly prevent any of them from coming through in the future so but did the galant is was there any evidence at all that the galanthi were evil no 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 they so seem somebody to be showed up and it's like hey we see you've got a really bad climate right. problem we can help you out <clears throat> with that and they're like no let us die <clears throat> Right. It's like we don't need help with our planet. This is the way God made it. Uh, you know, God. You know, God's got a plan. Yeah, right. and that 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 plays into. And the aliens you know, were just like, there is no God. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that that plays into <laughs> things we deal with today, though. Fear drives irrationality a lot yeah. of times and things. So I think a lot of it is just well, rooted of the unknown. Well, and they they had a they had a good good moment there where they make the Galanthi. Uh, even though they're kind of strange looking creatures, uh, playful, it, playful and cuddly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. They wanted to cuddle. Yeah. So the Galanthe to picture it, maybe you can find a picture of it, Linda, but it was, there's, okay. um, uh, <laughs> after each episode, they kind of do a behind the scenes, little five minute thing. And so they designed the Galanthe to be, um, uh, part Tyrannosaur, part elephant. And what was the other part? Wait. The elephant, because they wanted the, 
the, the octopus the wisdom oh yeah. yeah the the wise the wise continents and then um the octopus um features in order to give it some otherworldliness and then the tyrannosaur parts to give it some size and some some bulk and and <clears throat> um and ability to look menacing if it needed to and um so that was kind of interesting but there's no evidence that they're they're um evil in any way they're just trying to help us but to go back to what i was saying about that wormhole I, they thought it was a wormhole back to his home world but i now believe after seeing that episode that it was intentionally a wormhole to go back to the past because i think that galanthi may have realized that it would be it was impossible to change the world in the future because the the earth had so much technology and there was so much warring factions that it figured let me go back to the past to where there's not as much sophisticated weaponry in the hands of people and maybe i can start affecting change at the beginning of the industrial revolution to prevent this climate catastrophe from ever happening that's my suspicion but we'll, mm. we'll see how that plays out but so so yeah it'll be interesting to see if harriet's the the harriet from the future um and um what the what the galanthi is so they they did find the galanthi in the past too so he's uh, all fast i could get <laughs> yeah there's a, a picture of an eye anyway um the galanthi uh, is a monster well, there's yeah. a scene where they're they're watching a uh, a replay of a scientist giving a, an update or something like that, and the Galanthi comes by and kind of like nudges Hugs the scientist, them. yeah, when play around or whatever. So it shows that it's it's harmless more or less. Yeah, it's but, just I mean, like a big puppy. Yeah, like a gigantic puppy. So yeah, I mean, obviously though, the the Galanthi do go to the past because mm -hmm. that's how they get the spores there, right? Yeah. Well, this one goes. Yeah. Right. And so he releases the spores as he ends up in the past. And so, but then they don't know where he went. He vanishes and we find out that he's um, in this giant sphere that's under underneath London in this giant cavern or something. So, mm. um, but not only does Amalia True know where he's at, she does not, not only has she found him, but um, the mad doctor and his, um, um, well-to-do sponsor um have also found him and um they actually found him first and have been working to that's the that's the underground cavern and that's the scaffolding that the the mad scientist and his army of uh brain operated on drones has uh has built to study the galanthi so uh the lady that's sponsoring it uh, she uh she's in a wheelchair uh but oh, she's, she's uh, part of the wealthy the She's part of the wealthy elite of London. Yeah, and she founded this orphanage where all the touched are, are starting to gather. Um, but she's also backing the, the insane doctor that's killing the, the touched. So, or, or at least uh, experimenting on them in a non-ethically approved manner. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the sponsor lady. So mm -hmm. she acts like a friend of the touched, but behind the scenes, she's also working with this mad doctor trying to figure out what makes them tick. So yeah. um, she's she cannot be trusted, not to be trusted for sure. So, yeah. So it's a good show. If, if uh, you guys, people in the audience haven't watched it yet, I would encourage you to watch it. Uh, hopefully we haven't spoiled too much of it for you, but uh, yeah. it's, it's definitely a good, 
good romp. So shall we uh, move on to uh, Shadow and Bone? Uh, yeah. All right. So this is on uh, Netflix. So The Nevers is on uh, HBO. Um, Shadow and Bone is um, a very interesting show. Um, sort of takes place funky. in the same time period. Um, I would guess it's sometime around um, 1800s, uh, but it's more um, uh, Central Asia, maybe um, Northern European based. It uh, uh, seems to be a lot of Russian references because there's like uh, um, the czar and the czaress who kind of run this area uh, that they're in. Um, and it's got a lot of um, magic. So there's uh, groups of people uh, called the Grisha. Um, and the Grisha are magic users, and uh, the magic users have different specialities. Some are called Inferni, they create fire. Uh, there's others that are called um, um, Squallers that create wind, uh, that can manipulate the winds to move ships. Um, there's other ones that are uh, fabricators that build, you know, all kinds of strange contraptions and things. Um, so they each have different, different um, uh, abilities. And um, in the story, when it starts out, there's this area called the fold, which <coughs> showing there in that picture. And this is a very wide and long stretch of dark, stormy stuff. You go in there, there's, it's uh, no light. It's like, it's like you're in a uh, perpetual nighttime uh, kind of a thing. And yeah. if you go through there, there's these thing called the Volcra. Um, if you try to go through there and a lot of people have to go through there because it kind of divides the country in half. So people want to do commerce. They want to visit people on the other side. They have reasons to go there. And so you try to make a crossing and, um, there's different methods of crossing. Sometimes there's um, a train that you can take that travels on tracks. Uh, a lot of times they have like these big sailing ships that run on like skids that go over land and the squallers create the wind that pushes them through. Um, but when you go through, uh, you can't have any kind of a lamp or a light because that will attract the Volcra. Yep. And they're like these big winged... Um, I don't know bat what, things, bat just. things. Yeah. Creatures that'll come and just kind of rip you to shreds. And, um, so, um, the, uh, the guy that supposedly created the fold, um, did so. And, um, uh, he was the only one that can remove it. Uh, but he supposedly has died. Um, and so the rumor, the, there's a legend, um, and we see kind of a legend in play here um, that there will be a person born called a sun summoner. And mm -hmm. the sun summoner will have the power to destroy the fold and return this pl the planet to normal. And um, so we, we find out that, yep, there's a woman who is a sun summoner. She doesn't realize it until her lover and her are in the fold. They, they belong into a military unit that got uh, assigned to travel through the fold to the other side. They get attacked. I, I'd hesitate to call that her lover. They're friends right now. 
true, but I mean, they've got this feelings for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So anyway, he uh, gets attacked by the Volcra and, and she tries to save him. And then they're both attacked by grabbed by the Volcra. And in this moment of um, heated despair, she suddenly bursts forth this light. And Mm -hmm. that's when we realize she is the sun summoner. So um, I don't know, Chris, uh, any parts you want to mention? Uh, um, yeah, there was, uh, um, in, in this, uh, I'll also add a couple things on, on the, um, the Grisha there. Um, historically they, uh, I guess were kind of, uh, pariahs. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, and, and they were, they weren't well liked or anything like that. So the Grisha kind of grew to become their own little empire, if you will, and kind of built this, uh, fortress around themselves to kind of protect themselves uh, from people that were kind of anti-Grisha and everything like that. And ultimately, they also did these um, tests when you were younger to determine whether or not you were you were Grisha. And uh, the the main um, kind of two characters in this, the uh, um, uh, was it Alina Starkov, yeah, uh, and Starkov. her uh, and her friend uh, when they were children. We come to find that. The reason she didn't know she was Grisha is because they avoided the test somehow. And and later on, they kind of dive into how she was able to trick uh, the test or whatnot. But um, effectively, uh, when they find her later, they're kind of curious as to how she managed to not get tested. And then, then her relationship with a friend kind of goes into turmoil for a little bit uh, throughout the series because he no longer trusts her necessarily um, or thinks maybe, you know, she lied intentionally to him about being Grisha uh, and whatnot. So we come to find out that it was never intentional or anything like that, but it was still uh, the whole Grisha thing. There's, there's a lot of history that they do dive into that uh, on and kind of explain it and the testing and how they grew up. But um, uh, probably Didn't, uh, the uh, boyfriend or whatever, find yeah. out he was a Grisha too. We no, at least not that we've seen yet. Yeah, now that we've seen it, so so Mal I must be confused with somebody else. Yeah, well, Mal. So Mal and Alina mm-hmm. both grew up in the same orphanage. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. she is um, considered to be a, a kind of an outcast. Uh, they call her a shoe, uh, S H U, mm-hmm. um, which I think uh, may indicate that she has some. Um, Asian heritage in yeah, her, some I kind guess. of Asian descent, and right. that's looked down upon, not popular. Right. So she's kind of discriminated against. And um, Mal uh, was, in his youth at least, uh, was kind of like, um, you know, the 98 pound weakling, I guess, of the orphanage, mm-hmm. you know, always picked on. And she was a bit tougher and she stood up for him. Um, and because I guess because she had been constantly picked on her whole life, she was kind of used mm-hmm. to it. And it was kind of the thing where, you know, you either learn to defend yourself or you're going to be, you know, picked on your whole life. So right. you got to be strong. So she so they kind of grew close in that way and grew up together in the orphanage. But now that they're adults, they both have feelings for one another, but they're both kind of, you know, awkward at expressing them because they've been friends, I think, for so long. Right. So. Um, but they uh, they both end up being in the the army of this land, and I can't remember the name of the land. Starts with a K, I think. Kruger, Kruger. I don't know. Anyway, so she, yeah, they're both kind of in the infantry, 
Um, so there's two armies. There's the uh, one army that's just the regular infantry type. And then there's the Grisha army that fight for this land. And so she's a map maker within the army and he's a tracker. And uh, so as soon as they find out that she is the sun summoner, she gets spirited away to the, the Grisha palace and starts being groomed to be this sun summoner to have these abilities. Yep. And um, somewhere in the middle, uh, the, the, and they're trying, Mal and, and Aline are trying to correspond with each other, but I think there's somebody in the middle, and I think it's that, um, that evil Grisha, the prince, whatever his name is, um, General Kerrigan. Sorry. Yeah, General Kerrigan. General Kerrigan. I think he's somehow intercepting their correspondence and preventing it. Um, so anyway... Uh, I know the answer to that if you haven't finished it. So wasn't sure if you wanted me to spoil that for you. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, that's okay if you want to. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, so you, you come to find out Kerrigan isn't necessarily who he says he is. And um, he does have a part to play in uh, those messages, maybe not getting back and forth uh, for sure. And um, someone else close to Alina, we also find out, was uh, playing into that as she gets uh, uh, groomed, if you will, uh, to be the Sun Summoner. It, it's worth noting, not every, not all the Grisha are happy with um, Alina. So it's not like everyone there is welcoming to her because she comes to find that, that she's under a lot of pressure. And, and this is, by the way, that the photo that's up right now is, is the test that's done. Um, they have this little thing that they can they can prick a Grisha with or whatever, and this light kind of comes out or shows what their powers are. Right, uh, so and that's, that's a picture of Elena with General Kerrigan. Yep, he seems like he's all nice and and great initially, and he's very protective of her. Um, tries to help her kind of get into the fold with with Grisha, and as as the series plays out, um, you'll see that um, as dark as he dresses and his demeanor can be that there's a lot more uh to it than that and he has very close ties to what's going on with the fold right um so that that said i won't spoil too much on that but um it's it's um there's a scene where they're eating dinner and one of the uh the grisha that controls fire like a, a another commander or something like that stands up and, and gives uh, alina a lot of grief because He's like, you sit here eating dinner and you should be honing your powers or whatever because we just lost another few hundred men today or something like that. She gets she gets a lot of grief. Uh, it doesn't feel necessarily welcome, even though she's supposed to be the savior uh, right. for them. So um, it's not all, uh, you know, happy parading around or anything like that. There's a lot of people that basically want her to overnight become this sun, sun, sun summoner that's going to abolish the fold. Right. And I, I would say, um, you know, if you, you haven't seen it, definitely you want to check it out. I mean, uh, they do a great job of world building in there. Um, so Linda's got a picture up now of uh, some of the characters. Uh, they're uh, more part of the underworld of this society. Um, Noted by their fancy hats. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I will add with these characters in particular, and don't, don't quote me on this, but I believe there's a separate series of books that specifically focus on this group oh really Interesting. um and there's kind of a little bit of uh because gina uh, my wife likes a lot of the, the book aspects she'll go pick up the books and read them along with these series and stuff like that um but there's a lot of chatter over how these characters were maybe portrayed 
uh, in the series versus how they were maybe portrayed in the books. Um, but there is opportunity, I think, down the road to take these characters and do a complete spinoff. Huh. Um, there's enough there uh, to do that. And apparently, I guess there's maybe some books out there that focus on these characters. Huh. Interesting. So they're their, they're their kind of own entourage, if you will, uh, yeah. in this series. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's real good. There's a, a lot of uh, a lot of twists and turns in it and uh, a lot of great world building. Uh, love the costumes. Uh, yeah. Very creative costume. Yeah, it was a lot of originality. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the castles are amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. Palaces, I guess, more palaces. Um, yeah, so I, I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, again, that's that's on Netflix now. And uh, it seems to me like uh, it's kind of moving in the direction of like uh, the Game of Thrones as far as perspective of how much money they're putting into the production and uh, yeah. the, um, the dedication that they're putting into the storyline and stuff like that. So I mean, maybe that's what happened to the Irregulars is uh, Netflix just decided that they probably shouldn't have two steampunk shows at the same time and that could be i i will i'll agree with that because uh um i was having a hard time there between um you know um the nevers and then the regulars and yeah now this one, it's all mixed up <laughs> uh, it does get a lot of mixed up so i actually had to stop watching um the regulars only watched the first two uh, but like I couldn't sit down and watch these these other ones and get them all started. I was getting confused as to like, wait, what happened to this? Oh wait, that's a different series. <laughs> right. uh, it's hard so, enough uh, now. It's hard enough just between the Nevers and Shadow and Bone to keep them separate. Right. So right. Uh, I, I do feel like someone was going to get the the short stick there and it ended up being the regulars. So I, I don't feel bad on it. I, I will add on, on the irregulars. Um, I think that was a good choice. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I had a hard time getting into it. Um, it was, uh, I mean, I think the target audience was more of a, a younger adult for that, but but I also feel like maybe I had the wrong expectations going into it since it was supposed to be around kind of like the Sherlock Holmes uh, yeah. kind of thing, and it's not like yeah, any yeah. of the previous ones we've seen. Um, that's not to say that it can't be good, just from my perspective, when I went into it, I maybe expected more than I was going to get. And um, so, yeah, I only got through the first two and then just had to stop, A, because I couldn't keep it straight with other things. And everything else did a better job of kind of sucking me into watching it. So, right. Yeah, I wish I had watched the others first. The Irregulars, I, I if, if I had to do over again, I would not have watched that. You're going to skip that and gone right to the Nevers? Seems um, like uh, a lot of people felt the same way because they didn't get renewed. So, yeah. yeah which, which sucks because, I mean, honestly, I think they, I think they had a good cast. Yeah, for some of the people that may have been newer there, so I well, find other opportunities for other things. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, I did like the cast. We watched all of the season one, and um, I would have liked to have seen it be renewed. I thought it had a lot of potential there, uh, a lot of interest in the um, the lady that uh, was like the lead of the Irregulars. Um, very good actor. Uh, it was a good cast. It's just, yeah. yeah. It's just like what they were like, doing with Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, uh, like even a Sherlock being a drug addict. And right. well, I don't mind him being a drug addict. Yeah, that, that was okay. That it, it was it was his conversion to uh, um, something spiritual is the uh, reason for everything. Oh, I I will add though I, I do get disappointed when I see 
new shows come out that get canceled after the first season, I, I'd always like to see a commitment to two or three seasons mm -hmm. and give them chance to get feedback to see what worked and make adjustments. Sure. Uh, so I am disappointed in that because maybe they could have improved it. Maybe they could have made it into something. Uh, and historically, I think we used to see that. You'd see some things yeah. really yeah. gain traction around season, you know, two to five. It really kind of builds on it. Some get worse as it goes over time, and then, right. you know they end up just dying. But uh, I really hate to see something of this value, yeah. uh, or production quality, get canceled after one yeah. season. To me, that's not giving them a fair shake. And right. uh, especially when you know there's money that can easily make that happen, right. especially if you're Netflix. Like, just do it. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah, I like the. Um... The gritty realism of it, you know, it was sort of, uh, you know, meant to portray the the grittier, grimier side of England and stuff going on in the shadows, you know, mm -hmm. that um, the original Sherlock Holmes wouldn't necessarily have dealt with kind of a thing, areas where he wouldn't have felt comfortable going in or wouldn't have been accepted. I, I think you've misplaced the Sherlock Holmes character. Really? No, because he was, they don't, they don't. Uh, uh, Doyle, he kind of makes mention of things but like uh sherlock holmes was a boxer yeah right he did deal with the occult he was an expert in tattoos and such yeah and he was probably uh, uh a heroin user and definitely a cocaine user mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the so, master of disguise yeah and so he's not the shadiness of the character but but Sherlock Holmes always, uh, it, it always became something scientific. It never ended up being a spiritual solution. Yeah. So when he when he answer. took on the occult, now the occult back in the day was something because sometimes it was the Klan, right? Mm -hmm. the, and to to oh, Conan O'Doyle, that would have been the occult. That would have been a secret society, and um. There's a <laughs> so I didn't like oh. this character mostly because he he went. <laughs> Could this show have worked then without having the the Sherlock Holmes and, and Watson twist? Could this have just been written to where? Um, it was set in this time period, but I think it could have worked Holmes? without mm -hmm. that. Probably not. No, I think it could have. Oh, I think okay. it could have worked without, or you could have had a couple characters that are similar. I I just don't like, especially that it was sort of aimed at younger people. Mm -hmm. I don't like that they, I, I think you need to leave Sherlock Holmes as a realism person, a realism detective. Yeah. What if they had done? Um, otherwise, you're, go ahead, Charles. Well, just otherwise you're doing a disservice to the original, Yeah. the original yeah. Holmes that was trying to sell encyclopedias. That was yeah. the original purpose. I think it, it might've been um, just as, as interesting um like you say, if they hadn't had Sherlock and Watson in there, but they had this group of irregulars, the, these misfits um, in the 1800s, mm -hmm. and they're investigating these um, occult, uh, spiritual, Thanks. supernatural yeah. type of doings, but they all get resolved in sort of a uh, Scooby-Doo sort of fashion, right? Where it's <laughs> yeah, always be some bastard in a mask or something, you know, <laughs> perpetrating this these advanced illusions in order or, to scare people yeah. into believing. Yeah, so I guess guess part of my upset is a, a lot of the great site, uh, if you go way back, let's just say like the X-Files was definitely stolen from Sherlock Holmes, right? 
Yeah. They didn't say Sherlock. They didn't call him Sherlock Holmes. It's just the setup is very similar. You have a doctor and a detective, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, and to me, that was a great, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and even though the realism that the doctor believes in is going to be destroyed every time. Right. Right. Or just about. And, and, and so I think it's okay to steal from the Sherlock, Holmes, but I, I think if you're going to change it, you don't call it the character Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. You, you just right, change. Right. Yeah. Change the I mean, like they take that out. <laughs> I, well, and then, and then I think you can get a broader audience there because you're not, you're not fighting against what has been yeah, it, of Holmes. Uh, it's just somebody else. Charles, we put Audie to sleep. Oh, sorry, Audie. Yeah, <laughs> Audie resting his eyes. Audie's probably listening to that rant. For no, me. I'm usually getting out of bed about this time. So <laughs> Here, just here's my up. pitch, Charles. Here's my pitch. Same show, but instead of the irregulars working with and for uh, Sherlock and Watson they are on their own in a world where Sherlock is trying to solve the same crimes and he's coming to they beat him. Yeah. (laughs) He keeps, he keeps solving the crimes that they, uh, that they have, like they figured out the supernatural solution to this and he figured out the, the, the scientific solution and he gets the credit they never do and so it's an adversarial relationship <laughs> them occasionally like, like trying kind of to maybe get some help from him because they've got this supernatural problem but you know, he's like it's never supernatural and they're like it's definitely supernatural and like, <laughs> you know listen I, I, you know that that could work seth because i'm envisioning in my mind an X-Files type of thing where the Irregulars represent Fox Mulder and Sherlock Holmes and Watson represents uh, Dana Scully, right? And they're the, the scientific approach to resolving things and the Irregulars represent the supernatural approach to solving things. And yeah, so- they both managed to get the job done so you never know, well, was it really that or was it really this? So right? like in the first episode, with the Birdman, the kids figure out the the like the magical solution to it, and as soon as they like resolve that, uh, Holmes is there to basically arrest the guy because he figured out that these feathers were found at this aviary, yeah. and this one person had lost his wife and was obviously kidnapping these children. <laughs> Right, and so right. he legitimately resolves it with his Holmesian method. Right, but they're also there taking care of the supernatural thing that he never has a chance to see. Right, right. I like that. I think that would have real legs. You might want to um, shoot an email off to Netflix. Right. So in short, the regular has just been canceled, but we have a way to bring it back. Right, <laughs> and make it better, and make it better. Netflix, and, send me and, money. I'll write it. And Seth, did you- we'll put. We'll put Seth and Charles on the executive produ- producer <laughs> roster. Yeah. And did you know the there was actually a movie in 2007 called Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars? I did not. I, I think I've heard that. of that, but I can't remember if I've seen it or not. Yeah, a gang yeah. of sharp-witted kids save Sherlock Holmes from an accusation of murder and help foil an audience, an audacious robbery while rescuing members of their own gang. 
Oh, yeah, see, that probably the, the other problem is that probably doesn't fit as a sci fi topic, but that'll sure be a fun movie to see. Yeah, you can see it. There, there it is Sherlock Holmes oh, and the okay. Baker Street Irregulars. Maybe we'll uh, have to arrange for a backyard movie night and screen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> well, um, so we also wanted to touch on uh, Venom. I think now I have not seen that, so I'm gonna have to rely on those of you, I think. Chris, you you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I watched it yeah, yesterday, and it. Seth's seen it. I, I have. Anyone else has seen it? Okay. Anyone but, else? Charles? No. No. I, 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 I seen it. it. Oh, Audie's seen it. All right. Well, yeah. we'll let you three uh, go into details on. Yeah, that. I think I think we kind of just wanted to bring it up because they just released a trailer for the second one, yeah. a sequel coming out. Let there be carnage. Uh, I like the name, honestly. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I finally watched the movie. It's, it's been in my, you know, to-do list, like a lot of things uh, for a long time. And I regret waiting so long to watch it. It was it was really good, I thought. Um, you know, not not a, an A-plus movie, but definitely a B-plus. And it was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. Definitely entertaining. Um, so uh, Eddie Brock in this, I think, is portrayed pretty well. Uh, and uh, I, I just like the humor of it and how they built the relationship between Eddie Brock and, and Venom and, and how that that relationship of, of having a parasite came to be. So, um, yeah, it was definitely great. Yeah, just on the movie title to me, it sounds like I wouldn't have expected it to be funny. I'm expecting a, you know, a bloodbath of carnage kind of a thing. So, well, I mean, so... It is it is way funnier than I originally thought it would be, hmm. but, mm-hmm. but it's all it almost all the humor is in the in the, the interaction chamber. between Eddie Brock and yep. the Venom symbiote, and just the sheer level of talent that uh, Eddie's actor has in portraying him, like the the body work that he does. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. And so, yeah, he, he basically has to yeah, Tom walk Hardy. around for a good chunk of the movie talking to himself. He has yeah. his voice in his head, you know, uh, bickering back and forth uh, with them. And it goes from a, uh, a uh, kind of a protective, uh, you know, self-preservation relationship with venom uh using eddie brock as his host to a you know what i kind of like you i think we can make this work i'll help you out too um <laughs> yeah and uh that that whole thing you kind of see that uh develop to the point where i'm not really sure um uh whether venom is really evil or anything like that and 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 i don't historically remember a lot from the comics what what the history is there but they do actually give you uh, some background onto where Venom came from, and there's more than just him as as a species out there. I mean, there is a lot yeah. of comics history around Venom, and I could talk about a lot of it because I love the symbiotes. Like one mm-hmm. of my first, one of the very first uh, comic book purchases I can remember making of a comic in a clear case that I wanted to save and collect was the original first issue of the Maximum Carnage series, which was one of one of the initial big Spider-Man events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and Carnage is in fact one of my favorite Marvel villains. 
just because he's interesting. He's a serial killer who what isn't special for anything other than he was a serial killer and then he got this uh this symbiote and he's threatened the world multiple times but really at heart he's just still a serial killer just wants to <laughs> cause carnage yeah and this this one really i mean we'll see what the second movie brings uh the this the first movie really doesn't portray you know, Eddie Brock in that manner or anything. He's kind of a reporter that kind of exposes all these businesses out there um, or, or companies doing bad things or whatever. Doesn't always make the right decision, but he's kind of the, uh, ends up being a little bit of a low life might be too strong of a word, but uh, um, where Venom starts to like him is because where Venom is from on his world, uh, he was kind of the same thing I'm a, a little bit. Loser too. Yeah, I was a loser too. So, you know, <laughs> so that, that, that was pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked how they did the relationship there. Um, and let's be cart, you know, let there be carnage from the trailer. looks like it'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. And so like one of the reasons I was really skeptical of the movie first is because Venom is, well, he was a villain who has his origin in Spider-Man. And they were going to spin this story without Spider-Man uh, in, in the mm. comics origin and every other origin of Venom. Uh, he starts off as or the Venom symbiote starts off as Spider-Man's black suit. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, so Spider-Man originally has the symbiote and he wears it for quite a while because it enhances his powers he doesn't need web shooters anymore because the symbiote is effectively his uh, web shooter. Hmm. Uh, and But it also makes him more aggressive. And when he almost kills somebody, he uses the symbiote's weakness to sound to remove the symbiote from him. And Eddie Brock ends up like right underneath him at the time. Yeah, inheriting it, basically, at that point. And... Also, coincidentally, Spider-Man, while being a dick, had kind of ruined Eddie's life. So, Eddie Brock hates Spider-Man. Venom has just been, the symbiote has just been forcibly evicted from right. Peter Parker's Spider-Man. And then the two combine into Eddie Brock Venom. hating machine. Yeah. And so, Eddie through venom basically gets spider-man's powers and the vent the venom symbiote's abilities and they pretty much for the longest time just their one goal is to destroy each other destroy spider-man hmm. or i mean eddie brock's goal is to uh kill spider-man the venom symbiote's uh goal is to get back together with spider-man and mm -hmm. but yeah i didn't know how the movie would be able to portray that origin without spider-man huh. but they did a good job yeah i think they did a pretty good job so Adi, you watched it too right yeah favorite i, I found it interesting how I, it was better than i was expecting wasn't a stellar movie mm -hmm. but i realized why i under i was fond of it because the critics just tore it to pieces. <laughs> That's how that usually and works. If the critics don't like a movie, you gotta go see it. <laughs> it's not... I, second I mean, 
It's not the best of the superhero movies. No, no but no. the story the story is a little weak. It was uh, fun. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Like yeah. you can have a fun dumb movie. Yeah, it's a dumb movie, but <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> and Tom, like for me, it's Tom Hardy makes this movie. Uh, him and how he interacts with the Venom yes. symbiote. Yes. And then they they brought back like one of the best things though is they brought back the the uh, rap slash rock song about the movie for the end credits. <laughs> Did you hear that, Chris? No, I missed that. Yeah, they made a they made a specific song for the end that was just uh, like from back in the day where every action movie or comic book movie property would have to have its own custom song for the end. I vaguely remember them doing something like that. I can't remember the sound of it. But... I mean, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. It's but kind yeah, of like... It, the... was, it was good, so... yeah. How Captain, or how Deadpool did the Captain Deadpool song at the end of... <laughs> I have yet to see the, any Deadpool movies. Really? You haven't seen I have any not... of the, either of the Deadpools? <laughs> no, neither <laughs> one. Uh, I oh. think the uh, trailers turned me off. Too. Mm. I thought it was just, I should have seen the movie. Yeah, they're pretty funny. They're so they're, funny. They are fun. They're fun movies. Yeah. But yeah, so like Venom, it, it's just fun. Like, the it kind of becomes almost a buddy cop thing with uh, <laughs> Eddie and the symbiote. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, my my favorite. Uh, uh, I don't know if I have two favorite scenes, but one of my favorite scenes is when um, Eddie's walking down the street and he's talking to Venom and, and trying to lay some ground rules. I think it's near <laughs> the very end, and uh, he's like, "Okay, look." There are good people and there are bad people. We don't eat the good people, okay? <laughs> yeah. We can only eat the bad guys. Like, well, which one's the bad guys? You'll you'll know it or whatever. And then there's this scene in the in the uh, grocery store where uh, um, a guy comes in to collect his weekly pay from the cashier, uh, basically a thug. Takedown money. Yeah, and uh, uh, Eddie kind of peeks around the corner and. He's like, is that a bad guy? And he goes, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things about the, the thing about the Venom symbiote or the symbiotes is that they're not great. They they don't bond with everyone. Right. And the people who they do bond to, they're pretty much consuming. And so, and this has, this has uh, comic history to it. Uh, Venom basically has to eat people to keep Eddie from dying because he's feeding off of him. And one of the things he has to eat in the comics, and this was a 90s turn, is brains. Venom no. brains. So you'll see him. Like, they definitely wanted this to be an R-rated movie, I thought. Yeah. I was pretty sure it was going to be R-rated, but then they took it down to a PG-13 yeah, and I think I think there's if they did an extended cut with the scenes they probably wanted to be in there, we would have seen it. We would have had a lot more gore, a lot more biting heads off and stuff because they they allude to it, but they really don't show anything. No, they always they um, they'll always show him going ah, and then cut away and Tom Hardy being like, oh god, 
Yeah, I but, can't believe but, I just ate ahead. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, so there were there were some pretty interesting uh, shots of that. Um, and uh, yeah, it. My, I think my favorite part was when the squad that the evil business sends to take him comes yeah. in or just like breaks into his house and the like the venom the venom symbiote is in him but he doesn't know it yet he just yeah. thinks he's sick and so these things start attacking him and he's just like moving without realizing <laughs> yeah venom's like i'll just do this myself ass. <laughs> and okay. it's like all of a sudden he reaches out his hand and a flood of black goose smashes a guy against it against a wall and he's just like staring at his or the guys are looking at him and he's looking at his hand and looking at the guys and it's like yeah yeah mind you in 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 eddie brock's head at this moment he's just like gonna give in and let these guys take him like when they come into his his apartment he puts his hands up and venom's in his head going what are you doing put your hands down (laughs) (laughs) doing that pussy (laughs) (laughs) and uh it's that whole interaction thing i thought they did they did really really well um and so yeah throughout the movie he's kind of figuring out his part with with venom and venom's figuring out how he's going to make it work with eddie and and by the end they kind of come to this kind of agreement so um yeah so it it was pretty good uh you know eight out of ten for me uh could have been a 10 out of 10 if it had been uh a smidge darker with some more gore and everything but i don't think they would have been able to get to that pg-13 they, they should have just gone R-rated with that. Yeah, if they had gone R-rated, I think this would have been a 10 out of 10 A+, plus, uh, with a little bit darker, but keeping the humor. Like, th- there was nothing they gained from going PG-13 as far as making a good movie. Like, they might have gained... You know, yeah, the only thing I can think viewers. of is trying to get the larger audience, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, probably. Uh, but the I don't think the it was stinger. the right movie for this one. Yeah, the stinger from the, like I didn't act, when I saw the movie, I didn't think it would get a sequel, but they did do a stinger at the end of the first movie where they introduced, uh, where Eddie Brock is back on his uh, reporter beat, and he goes to see Cletus Cassidy for a interview. Who and Cletus Cassidy is Carnage, and mm-hmm. so they teased that at the end of the first movie. Uh, teased carnage and they are actually following through on that with let there be carnage so and cletus cassidy is played by woody, woody harrelson yeah. oh, that should be good that'd be good Which should be really interesting yeah i'd like to see his take on that because woody can be funny yeah. uh and have that weird menacing look or, or talk so i'm really interested to see how he does especially with how they did the first one with um um tom hardy and, and venom i really want to see what happens with um uh, Carnage. Yeah, Cle- the Woody Harrelson interacting with his symbiote. Yeah, I really want to see how they do that. Yeah, it will be it'll be very interesting because in the comics, uh, Cletus and Carnage are a much more, or like in canon, they're like the perfectly bonded pair because they both just want the same thing. They just want Carnage, and they're both completely crazy like they're not the method well cletus was the methodical serial killer but then he gets uh, the symbiote and they're just like having a good time murdering people everywhere because <laughs> no one can stop them 
That sounds like a must-see then. Oh yeah, I'll go yeah. see that one in the theater. It's <laughs> a can. All right. Good to know. Maybe. Well, uh, final thoughts, anyone? Have you seen um, Resident? Did you see, watch any Resident Alien? We have not yet. Still on my to do. You can hate me. It's <clears throat> on my to do. It is on my to do list. Maybe, maybe tonight yeah. we'll. I'm gonna keep reminding you guys. <clears throat> do that because I do, do want to watch. It. <laughs> yeah, maybe. only only last thing I want to call out uh, that we discussed briefly uh, before we started recording today was. Um, Henry Cavill did get cast in a new uh, movie coming out. Uh, they're going to be doing a Highlander reboot. So mm-hmm. kind of looking forward to that. Right. Now, see, I wonder if they're going to do an actual reboot or if they will do what they did with the series where the, it was a soft reboot where they were like, no, the sequel movies never happened and the first movie yeah. was... Just a prequel to this. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think I think it's been long enough where they can just act like the other ones didn't happen. Yeah, there, there's enough of a new potential fan base where if they do a good enough job, I wouldn't mind. Could... However, seeing Christopher Lambert come back as a cameo or something, even if yeah. it's a different character, that would be a nice. I, I haven't nice seen to have. Christopher Lambert in forever. Yeah. He's still out there. He's he's old man now. Like, yeah, that but I don't think they could do that though. And have like if he was a well, okay, they could do it, but he couldn't be an immortal. Nineteen eighty six was his film. Wow. Like he couldn't <laughs> come back as Connor McCloud. No, that's what I mean. Like if he was just some old guy in the street, even or something, like just in passing yeah. by, or a guy behind the counter. A hat. Yeah, a yeah, yeah. Some guy behind the counter going. Go like uh, whatever uh, whoever uh, Cavill's character ends up being comes in to buy something and there's only right. one left and he's and and uh, yeah. Lambert is just like ah you know there can only be one be <laughs> Lambert voice that would be yeah, hilarious something just give us throw us something but I think that would be pretty cool to, to have I think it, just for yeah Adrian like Paul should be that. in there somewhere too like maybe they could like reverse the role. And have like, uh, and have Adrian Paul play a uh, play a Duncan McLeod, and who's mentoring a younger Connor McLeod. Hmm. Yeah, they, yeah, they could do that too. Here's Lambert today. Holy cow! What the heck? I thought he'd look way older. Yeah. Well, well he is a different yeah, Somewhere he looks even older than that. It, Probably. Like, but yeah, I, it. I I think it would be cool to have some cameos there yeah. from people who have played in some previous ones. Um, and uh, it, not obviously as immortals, but just something out there. But, uh, anyways, uh, be on the lookout for that. I'll be excited to see whatever that trailer comes out to be, and and what their plans are, what they plan to do for the plot. So. And now I kind of mm-hmm. want to watch Highlander the series again. Hmm. <laughs> it was a good series. Yeah. I can't even. I, like I can't it. even keep up with the new stuff that's coming out, let alone rewatch the old stuff. <laughs> I can watch the. I get to. You're I can watch the old stuff while I'm doing work. Well, I'm programming. Uh, and, and not to I've drag us too it. far down a rabbit hole here, but 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 to end off, I, you know, I think a thing we should circle back on is: Are we getting a little bit too much of a flood of new series? Oh yes. Um, yeah. 
and because obviously we we start to feel it we we, we all try to, to watch as much as we can but there's only so much time in a week but if we're pumping out something every 60 days of uh you know a new series a new show i mean it's great that we're seeing that content but at the same time it gets a little bit overwhelming and, right. and, and to our point earlier in the show when we talked about the irregulars being dropped maybe it was just too much but i mean thankfully it's not like in the olden in the before times where you had to be there on the night to right. watch oh, the show gosh. or else yeah. you fell behind. Yeah. Like you can miss something for six months and then when there's the inevitable dry spell, get caught up. It's just worse for us because we all want to be able to talk about the thing, but I can't watch <laughs> two shows a week. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, thank you guys for another uh, interesting episode and I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, as always, if you have any comments, criticisms, suggestions, we'd love to hear it in the comments section. Uh, throw it down below or check us out on our website, galacticdriftwood.space. Or and through the Synergy Nation. Synergy Nation Network, we're on there too, uh, along with some other fine podcasts. Uh, check us all out. And uh, till then, we'll see you again in two weeks with, uh, well, by then we should have the final season finale of the the nevers to talk about and uh we'll see we'll be uh, almost to the end of uh shadow and bone by then so we'll see where that's that's going as well so all right and maybe you'll we'll watch a little resident alien and we'll watch some resident alien <laughs> i'm gonna keep bugging you guys about Please that do. keep on us keep, keep on, on us. us i do want to see i it. know you'll like it and i just want you to see it so bad all right we'll definitely get that done Thank you all for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.